0: call 562-314-4603 for complete details
1: you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey
0: hey hoop fans Want a great podcast that covers the bulls from a to z Try Sharpshooters with Mark Shanowski and David Schuster.
1: I think LaMelo Ball will be the number, number one, one pick. Whoever has it. I don't think he's going to go to Minnesota. I think Minnesota will trade out of that pick. And some teams going to jump up to one. It wouldn't shock me if that was the Chicago Bulls. Maybe you make that move. Well, it's interesting that you say that. There's a rumor that the Bulls would go from four to two. Mm-hmm. The Bulls would trade either Lowry Markinen or Wendell Carter to Golden State. Plus the number four pick to get number two. Well, you know Steve Kerr would love to have Lowry Market and a seven-one guy who can shoot threes, you playing bet. with the Splash Brothers. You bet. Who's a you know pretty versatile athlete who can run a lot of their offense. I think he, I think Lowry would be a great fit. And and I don't even know exactly if they're in the game to try to move up to one or two. It just depends on how high they are on ball. Because if you don't think that he's a franchise changing talent, you just stay at four and, and you take the best player on the board.
0: That's Sharpshooters with Mark Schinowski and David Schuster right here on the Bears Barroom Radio Network. And now, Stacey King's Gimme the Hot Sauce with Mark Schinowski.
1: Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised.
0: He's, still, he's basically still a puppy. Okay,
1: but it- and he follows you around like the Pied Piper, huh?
0: I I think he thinks I'm his mother. Uh Seriously, you know, I I mean, a couple of times I I caught him over there trying to, you know, suck on me, you know, and I'm like, hey, (laughs) hey, hey, buddy, oh, it's not that type of party. (laughs) Chill out over here.
1: Championship game, put up gaudy numbers, honored in all American squads. Uh, how come you decide to go now, back first to First of all, when you're
0: talking about gaudy numbers, I don't appreciate that. That was hard work, Markowski. So no, g- said,
1: gaudy is a compliment.
0: Well, I don't look at that being a compliment, buddy. <laughs> just, you, look you it just, up, know, Stacey. I, I know what look it, it, it up means in but from you as my friend, you should be saying, Stacey, you put up some impressive numbers. <laughs> that sounds bad. That's that what game. it means. These <laughs> gaudy man, he, he gaudy makes, gaudy numbers gaudy. make it seem gaudy. like I was playing against the sisters of the poor. This guy did rebound. Come on, man. Come on, man. Give me some. Credit, oh, my goodness. Give me the hot sauce. Neil Thumb, give me the hot sauce.
1: Hey, if you missed the debut episode of Give Me the Hot Sauce, where were you? You missed all kinds of great stories from our guys, Stacy King. Stacy, you uh, knocked it out of the park the first time around. I learned how to define a word. You know, there are a lot of things that went on in that first episode. And, you know, when we finished taping the first one, You were telling a story about your upbringing. And if you could tell the folks that about how clothes don't always reflect a man.
0: Yeah, you know, we live in a generation now that I think people worry about what other people yeah. think about them, and this is an early, you know, part of my my uh, introduction to that. When I was a, when I was a junior in high school, I used to think that I was the man, you yeah, know, because I was yeah. I was the man in high school
1: basketball star,
0: and yeah, I was a basketball star. I was popular, and and you know, I was I was uh, I had a lot of fun growing up, mm-hmm. and so I, you know, my personality comes from me growing up. You know, we used to play a game called the dozens. And if anybody's familiar with that, if you're not, it's a game where you know, anything is is fair game. Right. So if we were going one on one, you could talk about my shoes, my my shirt, my hairstyle. I could talk about anything about yeah. you. Um but there was one rule though. You couldn't talk about somebody's mama. If, you said, enough, if yeah. you said something about somebody's mama, they was getting a two-piece, okay? You, you say <laughs> something we're not about, talking you, about yeah. chicken. No, we ain't talking about chicken either. <laughs> if you said something about Lois King, you was getting a two-piece with no soda, okay? <laughs> so that was the rule in the dozen. So this particular day, this is when Polo was first came out. Mm-hmm. Polo was the craze. Popular. This was like 1984. And, um, you know, my dad was a life military. He was 30 years in the military. He was a a master sergeant, uh, helped train artillery shooters and stuff. So he was in the Army for 30 years. Um, A lot of kids I went to high school, we went to, were military. So you could tell how much money a person had by where their father was ranked in the military. So, you know, a general would have more money than the guy who's a sergeant, you know, captain, lieutenant, yeah. you know, those. So you go down the line. So a lot of those kids that I went to school with, their dads were high-ranking officials. So they were able to get the polos. They were able to drive <laughs> the the Mustang, convertible Mustangs, and have cars in right. school. And that's where, what you wanted, too, Well, right? that's what I wanted. And so, but I didn't get it. Okay. There's, there's a difference. <laughs> see, I was riding a big yellow school bus, you know, and, and I was I was wearing clothes that weren't polo. So I remember coming home to my mom. She was a regional manager for JCPenney's. And I asked her, I said, Mom, I said, hey, I see this polo out. Everybody's wearing polo. Can I get a polo? Can you give me a couple of polo shirts? So my mom looks at me, and she knew how much they cost. It's funny. Moms know these things. They do. So she's like, boy. I am not gonna pay eighty dollars for a shirt. We got a shirt at JC Penny's The same shirt, and it's the same colors, and it looks just like it. And I'm like, I don't know my I don't, what, what's the name of it. It's Hunt Club. So I'm like, sounds good. It, it sounded like a yeah. polo. It's yeah. sound like polo. It kind of sounded like Polo had a nice little Hunt Club. Hunt Club Polo. Okay, someone's on a horse. Someone's chasing something, so it's you know polo. You're hitting a ball. Hunt club. You're probably chasing a fox. So it's kind of the same. So I'm like, okay, mom, right? Cool. Let's let's do it. So she brings <laughs> she brings these shirts home, and um, they're they're the same color as polo. The, the the bright colors. That's when Polo, when it first started, it had all the bright colors, purple, yellows, and the fuchsia colors. And that's
1: where you got one of your sayings. I don't turn up nothing but my collar. I don't turn
0: nothing <laughs> up but my collar. Exactly. That's where it started from, Mark. So you pay attention, yeah. boy. I like that. <laughs> See? That's why we're gonna be great partners here. So so back in the day, back in the eighties, when you used to flip your collar up, yeah. that was the cool thing. So you spent hours ironing that, trying to get that spray and starch on it, trying to cri- <laughs> make it crispy as bacon. So so I was all prideful. I'm like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I got this Hunt Club shirt on. It's, you know, no one's going to know. It's not Polo. No one's going to care because it's got the same yeah. colors. But the difference was Polo had a little man on the horse, yeah. and he was swinging a little mallet. Hunt Club initially didn't have a man on the horse because it was a it was a trademark for <laughs> the Polo. So it was just the horse. And a They horse couldn't had, afford the no, guy. The, the man wasn't on yeah. there yet. They, yeah. they didn't work out the contract yet yeah. with the man. So the horse was like – Kind of raising his feet up in the air. And it was it was pretty cool, like a wild horse. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'll be able to pull this off and no one will find out. So I go to school and um, I walk in. And every morning before the classes has started, we'd always meet up on this heater, about 10 to 15 people, you know, old athletes, school kids per se. And we just sit there and play the dozens. We sit there and have a good time. I was the king of the dozens. But this particular yeah, day. Yeah, you're quick with it. Yes. You always I, it, guys. This is yeah. where I learned it. Yeah. But this particular day. I didn't want to play. I didn't want to play because of the fact that you I thought you were vulnerable. I, I was very vulnerable. Yeah. I, there was a soft spot there, Mark, because <laughs> I had a, a non polo shirt on. So I didn't want no one to get me. So I was like, okay, I'm going to stop. I ain't going to say anything. Everybody's talking. Da, da, da. My best friend who I grew up with since like daycare, he's the only one could have got away with this. Cause somebody else would have said something. They would have got a two piece. <laughs> so he's, he comes up to me and dead serious too, no smiling, no laughing. He says, "Hey Stacy, there's this guy looking for you, man. He's <laughs> man, he's really pissed off. He's like he's like, where's Stacy King? Has anyone seen Stacy King? He has something of mine." And I'm like, well, man, is it a recruiter? Yeah. Is it, is it one of my girls' dads looking for it? I thought maybe I got in trouble, baby. One I'm of your like, girls' One dancing. of my girls' yeah. dad. I was a player yeah. back yeah. in the day, baby. Don't hate the player. Hate the game, baby. That's how I was. That's how we rolled in high school. My, my girlfriend went to a different high school across the city, baby. I thought it might have been somebody's dad. That I was dating in high school in my high school. So that's a different story. Was, my wife, listen to this. We Honey, that was before I met you, if you listen to the podcast. All right? Listen I'm and subscribe, yeah. please. Don't do it. Don't do it, Dad. Don't do it. So, so Jimmy comes up to me. He says, um, "This guy's really pissed off. He's he's screaming. He's work. You know, you have something. You stole something of his." And and I'm like, "Oh man! I mean, are you sure it's not a recruiter?" I said, "Where is he at?" Oh, he's down there by the history by Mr. Bradshaw's history class. And I'm like getting nervous now because I'm thinking there's really someone out to get yeah, me. Real trouble. So I'm like starting to sweat. Yeah. And I'm like looking for an escape route just in case I got to run. You know, get out of here. So. So all of a sudden, Jimmy goes, yeah, man, he's really mad. He says, he goes, um, he's looking for his horse that you stole. <laughs> and I'm like, and everybody starts looking at like, horse? He goes, yeah. He says, he said I'm looking for Stacey King. He said he, he's wearing these boots. This guy has boots on. He's got a whip in his hand. And he's got like a leather helmet on with, with glasses. And he said, you stole his horse. And he wants it back. And it's on your shirt. And I was like. And I, I, You were finally speechless. I, huh? I, was, I, was, I was I I couldn't say a word. Yeah. I couldn't, I had to get what that. What comeback lamb, did you have for that? Nothing. Yeah. I was, it was kind of like this, Mark. I was like, You got me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was a good one, Jimmy. Yeah. You got me, boy. Woo! But deep down, I was hurt. Oh yeah. yeah. I was hurt. So so I took the ribbing all day long. All day long. First couple hours of classes. I'm walking the, I'm walking the hallway. You hear somebody go, pfft. <laughs> hey, hey. Yeah, Make brutal yeah age, they're yeah. brutal. You know, so they're, they're they're making these noises and then they're like, hey, man, did you get that guy back that stolen horse? You know, <laughs> so I couldn't take it anymore. So I said, enough, enough, enough of this. I'm going out. So I go to my basketball locker. I go in the locker room. My coach is there. He's like, hey, Stakes, what are you doing down here? I said, coach, I got chain shirts. He said, why you got chain shirts? That's a nice shirt. And that's a nice polo shirt. I said, "Coach, it's not Polo." It's <laughs> He's like, "What? What is Hunt Club?" I said, "See, that's why I'm changing it. That's why I'm changing it." So he goes, "All right, here, here's a t-shirt. He gives me a basketball t-shirt, lets me switch." And so, I did your mom it. feel
1: bad about that? Oh, so, so,
0: so I, I go home. I go home. Lois is cooking dinner. Come home from basketball practice, and um, so I go, "Mom." She goes, "Baby, how did everybody like your shirt? How did everybody like your shirt?" And I said. uh. Mom, don't ever do that to me again. <laughs> you you, you, you embarrass me. You made me feel, everybody made fun of me all day long. They, they, they did horse jokes and it, it wasn't a polo. And she, goes, and she goes, really? She goes, let me tell you something. She goes, I don't care what they think of you. If they're not putting money in your pocket, clothes in your back or food in your mouth, you don't give a damn what they think. And if you score around here worrying about what people think of you, boy, it's going to be a miserable life. And at that particular time I was sitting there, what she said resonated. And
1: it's a tough lesson for a teenager it, it's though. It's a
0: tough lesson for, you know, sixteen year old because yeah. of peer pressure and all the things that come along with that. But I will say this: I never wore Hunt Club again, even though she gave me that wonderful speech, that win one for the Gipper speech. I did not wear another Hunt Club shirt. And let me tell you what I did when I finally got some money after digging all those ditches back in Oklahoma. Yeah. We talked about in episode one. I <laughs> oh, saved my money. I saved my money, and I bought me. I bought me some lo- some authentic uh, polo gear. That's all you see me with now. You go to my closet right now. Hey, there ain't no horses going. <laughs>
1: I thought you could tell me that you bought a horse and joined a polo club.
0: You know what? You know those comments are a call for. Me. Okay, Tyson, there you go, biting me in my ear again. Because I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna tell you something though. But that was that was uh, that was a lesson that I, I tell my kids too to this yeah. day. Is like, don't worry about what everybody thinks about you. As long as you're happy with yourself and your family and the people that are in your inner circle are happy who you are. You know, that's all you need to worry about. Who cares about what you know, John or or Mike think about you? As long as you are comfortable in your own skin, that's all that matters.
1: So there you go. Who who would have thought that episode two would start out with some life advice from the great Stacy King? You
0: know, we told you this show is going to be hitting all different aspects. It's not just going to be sports. It's going to be everything, man. That's this is how I want it to be. And. Sometimes, you, you know, you have to you have to hit some things that are difficult to talk to, but talk about sometimes. And a lot of kids go through this nowadays, yep. the peer pressure and, and, you know, the bullying. You see all the bullying now. And it's so much more now because you have social media and you have all these different platforms for, for kids to bully other kids. And I would tell kids, you know, this, you know, don't don't worry about what those kids think of you. You know what? You know, get get with some friends who appreciate you be with people who you that appreciate who you are, that like you for who you are. Don't try to change yourself to be friends with someone else, because those people are not really your friends anyway, because in 10 years, those people will, will still be doing the same thing that they're doing now while you're being successful in life.
1: You mentioned finally getting a chance to to come in with some money when you signed your first NBA contract. You were drafted number six overall by the Bulls in the 1989 draft, and people might forget that uh, that Jerry Krause came up with three first round picks that yes. year. it was yourself. It was B.J. Armstrong, of course, very popular ex-Bull, and uh, Jeff Sleepy Sanders. What, yes. where, where did mm. sleep, the nickname uh, Sleepy come from?
0: Well, I mean, just think of that word. He's always <laughs> sleep. <laughs> when you When you talk to Jeff, when you see Jeff, Jeff's a good dude. Um, but when you see Jeff, Jeff would his eyes were barely open. Yeah. You know, he could be talking to you and you literally think, is this guy awake? <laughs> like he'd be sitting there and his eyes would be, I wish everybody could see this right now, but you know, like your eyes like barely open yeah. and he'd be talking to you. Yeah. You know, we need to get to practice. And I'm like, man, are you even awake?
1: Yeah. You better not drive. Cause <laughs> like, your eyes aren't yeah, open. Are you, yeah. are you okay buddy to drive home?
0: You know, but, but yeah, Jerry, Jerry, you know, Jerry got three first round picks. Matter of fact, the way that they got that, you know, now the NBA has changed that rule where those, those lottery picks are protected now. And it was because of that reason. Because think about this, The Mark. Ted
1: Stepien rule. They were yeah. trading away those early picks. Think
0: about this, though. You know, Bulls win 50 games the year before with Doug Collins. 50. They went to, I think the second round got beat by the Pistons. Mm-hmm. And so you're a 50-win team and you get three first-round picks. That automatically sleuth, that automatically puts you in, in a championship mode because yeah. now – you, you've got some young kids coming in that you can fill out in your bench and, and put in roles to help you. 50-win team, three first-round picks is unbelievable.
1: Yeah, people talk about Jerry Krause, and, and you know he's gotten a lot of criticism over the years, but he did a damn good job putting talent around MJ and those guys.
0: It's terrible with the way he was uh, portrayed in The Last Dance. I, I'm a big Jerry Krause fan, and I, I don't think he gets the respect and the credit he deserves of building those teams. He built two different championship caliber teams. I mean, they were two separate teams. They Completely weren't, different, yeah. they were were compl- only, only person constant was Scotty. Yeah. But they were all different after that. So to to put two championship teams within an eight-year period, you take those two years that Michael went away to, to play baseball, you're talking the Bulls winning eight in a row. Eight championships in a row. Had Michael not went and go chase curveballs, which he didn't hit very well, <laughs> and he decided to stay, you're looking at the Bulls winning eight championships. Maybe, maybe that first team doesn't. You, you break really up. think
1: they would have beaten Houston, both those years?
0: Hell to the yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Listen, I I, I get in these arguments all the time with Houston. Well, Houston beating. gave you guys trouble though. Listen, anybody can give you problems in the regular season. Yeah. That means nothing. Okay, we beat Houston at home. They beat us in Houston. That means nothing. Michael Jordan is your ace in in, in your sleeve. Okay. Oh. Michael yeah. is not going to lose. You're on a team with Michael Jordan. There was no way in the world you're going to lose a series with Michael Jordan at full strength. No way in the world. And with the way we played and the, the adjustments we would have made to defending Olajuwon, we would have won that series easily. We would have won it easily. Just playing devil's
1: advocate, though, people would say you almost played an extra season with all the playoff games you played. The the mental and physical toll in, in you know 1994-95, could that have caught up with the team if it had stayed the same?
0: Ah man, I I think so. I mean, you know, Michael had came back from the Olympics and when our first championship run. So I don't think he would have. Michael was all about winning championships, was getting to the finals and win. He had to, his first seven years, you know, he had to fight and claw just to get to the first round. And then once he got past that part of it, and now he's tasted the mountain, been to the mountaintop and tasted the honey, That's all he wants to do now is play for a championship. So he would have been motivated. I believe he would have been ready to go. And I believe we would have beat Houston. I know, you know, Kenny Smith and those guys always say, oh, no, no, no. But one thing about Phil Jackson that he doesn't get credit for and the coaches, Johnny Bach and, you know, Jim Clemens and Tex Winters, they they were great at adjustments. You know, you give them a week to prepare and give us a week to prepare against someone, we are going to shut you down. You know, you go back to that Magic Johnson first championship run, we play the Lakers. You know, they made the adjustment by putting Scotty on Magic instead of letting Michael, who didn't want to get off of Magic, who took it personally, like, I'm a great defender, I can guard him. Phil saw the foresight of saying, No, no, you can't. He's too big. He's six foot nine. We need more length on him. And Phil made that adjustment by putting Scotty, and that turned the whole series around. So we would have been able, Phil would have made the adjustments, coaching staff would have made adjustments. Elijah still would have got his, but Kenny Smith, you know those guys that we'd have shut Vernon them down. Vernon Maxwell. Vernon yeah. Maxwell. We, we would have taken Vernon Maxwell, and I love Vernon Maxwell. I love his personality, the other way. But Michael would have killed him. Michael would have took it as a personal challenge because Vernon. You like to talk? Yeah, because Vernon always thought he was a Jordan stopper too. Yeah, and we've seen in history what all the Jordan stoppers look like. Down there's so many Jordan stoppers. There's so many grave sites of Jordan <laughs> stoppers in, in NBA history that all took pride in, I can stop Michael Jordan. I, Tombstone, I can I I can I can guard Michael Jordan. Tombstone, Gerald Wilkins. Gerald Wilkins, yeah. Elo, yeah. you know, Starks. I mean, you go down the line, you know, Clyde Drexler. You go down the line of all the, the great two, are Mitch Richmond's. all these guys who were very good two-way players. They were destroyed. I mean, there's there's a graveyard full of two guards out there that that Michael has <laughs> created. I mean, figuratively, they're not dead, but I'm yeah. just saying. But in basketball term, when you say someone's killing you, there's tombstones yeah. out there for Michael Jordan, all the bodies that he put out there.
1: Let's go back to the start of your Bulls career. Obviously, All-American player at Oklahoma I'm going to be careful of my adjectives yes, here. Yes, you better. This But some really impressive, very, very impressive See? stats. See,
0: audience he learned from the first episode. He didn't You're say, he
1: "I appreciate that." You're never too old to learn. Thank Stacey, you. you, you know thank you, I mean? thank you. So you come in and, and it must have been weird the Bulls at that time practiced at the Deerfield Multiplex, which was a yes. public facility. You got guys running laps, and they're in yes. the weight room and trying to show off. And and, you, and here's a professional basketball team
0: trying to get ready to compete for a championship. Well, what was that like? Is it just a weird dynamic? Well, it, it was very it was very weird because like I'm used to practicing in facilities, and from Oklahoma, I mean, some people say when I got to Chicago and you know, I took a pay cut when I came to the Bulls, <laughs> I, I beg to differ there. Okay, I, I didn't take a pay cut. I didn't get paid. NCAA, if you're listening, please. I didn't get paid at the university. Don't 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 listen. We're just having fun on the on the podcast. All right, so don't hold me. Don't hold this. Oh, we got a statute of limitations, That's so right. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. So no, but seriously, though, being at the multiplex is cool because yeah, right? yeah, it was it was fun. It was a shorter court. It wasn't 94 feet. That was the only drawback of being there. But being around like the the health club and all the people and the fans were there. It was really cool my first year. Um, after we, after we, uh, after my first year, it wasn't too fun. So cool. No, because then what happened was because we used to park in the back. Yeah. And when we would come out, if you're not a member of the club, you couldn't come in. So you'd have all these people who weren't members of the club. They'd be sitting on your car. They'd be sitting on MJ's Ferrari. You know, you got somebody sitting on your car. That's a little personal. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, I think then that's when the Bulls decided we need our own place and yeah. then we started then they built the because Center
1: we would have had a big time Jones story again where people oh, asking for autographs when they're sitting in the wait a minute
0: hold oh, up there's <laughs> another story that, see, there's another story see I'm all about stories man see and we go back to the draft okay Doug Collins is the coach this is more Phil Jackson took yeah. so I came in on my visit this is a great story this is all time <laughs> so I come in on my visit and Doug brings me in and Jerry's there Johnny Box so When you're a lottery pick, you're not supposed to work out. You're just going to do the interview process. So the Bulls recognized how competitive I was, and so when I came in there, they said, "Hey, we want to, you know, run you, do a couple of tests, some agility tests, do some court work." So the first thing I go, well, my agent was David Falk. So the first thing I said, "Well, you know, David told me didn't want me to work out. What are you scared? You know, that's Johnny Bach. What are you scared? What are you afraid of?" And I'm like, "Who's this old man talking to me? Like I didn't even (laughs) know he was an assistant. Like I just thought he was like the janitor." So. So he's saying, "Who are you afraid? You know, come on! I want to, I thought you. I thought guys from Oklahoma were tough. So I'm like, okay. So now I'm I'm getting into it. So I'm like, all right. Well, I didn't bring any gear. Oh, we got plenty of gear for you, Doug. So we got plenty of gear for you. So he said, get some gear, go ahead and change. But we're going to work you out. So I did all these agilities with the great Alvaro Mill and Eric Allen. Yeah. I did all the the computerized tests, the vertical, the quickness, whatever. And then I go to the court. And they said, okay, we're just going to put you through a couple of court things. I want you to run the court a little bit, three-man weave with the coaches, and then some post moves. And I'm like, all right, cool. So, so then we're going to do some pick and rolls. Well, this is honest. I, I did not know what a pick and roll was. Because we didn't run pick and roll at Oklahoma. So I didn't know what a pick and roll was. So you know, Johnny Box says, all right, we're gonna run pick and roll, I want you to slip screen, shoot a 15-foot jumper. Well, he's talking foreign to me. He could he could have <laughs> easily been talking German, I wouldn't understand what he said. That's what it that's what it sounded like to me. So I go, pick and roll. Like, yeah. what is that, coach? And he you know, he says, You gotta be kidding me, You don't know what a pick and roll is. What are you learning in Oklahoma? And I'm like, who is this dude? You said,
1: Coach, we averaged 103 points a game. That's
0: what I said. I said Coach. I said, I said, Coach, I know what a pick and roll is. It's when you come up, you walk up to you, set a screen, and then you roll to the basket. You're telling me you don't do that, Oklahoma? I said, nope. I said, they throw the ball inside, and I score. That's it. That's all I know. So he said, oh, my God. So they show me the pick and roll. I pick it up very quickly. Then we do a couple of post moves. And they're, they're liking what they see. They said, oh, very athletic, boom, boom, boom. So he said, right, we're going to bring in a little resistance. We're going to bring in somebody to put a little body on you. So I'm like, oh, man, I'm not supposed to have contact. You know, if I get hurt, yada, yada, I'm going to drop in the draft. So, and there was was word that I was going to be number one, that I was going to go to Sacramento. And I wasn't going to go two, three, four, or five. It was either going to be one or below five. So um, I'm working out. I had a great workout in Sacramento, so it looked like I was going to be number one. But Bill Russell, I was <laughs> – here's a funny story about the world. The great Bill Russell. The
1: great Bill Russell, We're in yeah.
0: Sacramento meeting, and we're talking – that, like we're talking now, and they're asking me questions about, you know, where I'd like to play because Wayman was there. They said, can you play center, power? I said, I'll play wherever you want me to play. And, you know, what was the difference between me and Wayman? And I said, you know, I said, I'm bigger. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm taller. Um, I, think, I think I have a – you know, I can shoot it face up a little bit better. I can run the floor. And then Bill Russell, the whole time, you hear this. <laughs> and, and I'm like, looking, I'm looking around, like, is this dude sleep? But he's sleeping the meeting. Yeah. And so you got the, you got the uh, owner, the general manager, you got hey, everybody there. He
1: already had 11 rings. He didn't he was stay the coach. awake any longer. Remember, yeah. he was yeah. the coach yeah. in
0: Sacramento. And so the coach should be the last person to sleep. <laughs> he should be asking the questions. So So I'm sitting there, and he's like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> And I'm like, is this dude snoring? And I'm like, looking back, and they go, oh, he does that all the time. <laughs> I'm like, so I knew I, I kind of knew I wasn't going there because I'm like, if the coach is not up and they're listening, so I know I'm not going well, there.
1: That's why they took Purvis Ellison, because he always looked like he was half asleep.
0: Well, he took, you know, the had a funny story about that. He took Purvis Ellison because he reminded, Purvis Ellison reminded him as a shot blocker. Okay, but I blocked 25 more shots than Purvis yeah. that year. I was one of the top shot blockers in the country. And not only could I block shots, I could score. Purvis couldn't score. So, but back to my story, because yeah. we got offhand. Yeah, okay. Because you know, we just we just jumped. This call it should be called off the wall. Because I'm like a rubber ball. We go from one side of the room to the other. So I'm coming back to back to the bulls. So they bring in a guy. I I now now granted, I didn't know anything but about the Bulls except for what I saw on TV. So they bring this guy in, he's bushy hair, grayish, kind of grayish brown, big dude, gangly guy. And I'm like, oh, they're bringing Dave Corzine in. Like, wow. Like, gonna, I'm like, I'm obeying this dude. So I'm like, man, this dude might hurt me because he might feel like I'm taking his position or something. you know, yeah. So it's like, yeah, we're going to let him put a little resistance. They don't say he's Dave. They don't say anything. They don't even introduce him. So I'm like, wow, okay. So, so he's just going to put a little resistance on you in the post, yada, yada. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm thinking I'm going against Dave Corzine. So, of course – I got to now, you know, really score. I got to show that I can play. So he's banging me, Ugh, uh, or banging inside. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is a little bit too much, buddy. But okay, if this is what y'all want to see, I'm like, all right, cool. So I, I do it. They say, I want you to one dribble to the middle and then drop step and then go up and dunk or lay it in. I'm like, cool. So I crab dribble to the middle and quick, quick spin move to the baseline. Get ready to go up to dunk the ball and he hard fouls me. Like literally, like throws me to the floor. And I look up and I'm like, Dude, what's your problem? Like, what are you doing? And he's like, shut up and play.
1: I recognize that voice. Yeah. Shut up and play.
0: <laughs> and I'm like, okay, Dave Corzine. Okay. I got something for you. So so then all the coaches are laughing. You know, they're laughing because they now they think I think he's Dave Corzine. Yeah. So I said, let's run that play. Let's do that again. I said, same move. I said, cool. So do the same move. Do So this time, I as I make the crab dribble to the middle. I hit him with an elbow on the drop step, and I pop him in the face, and he kind of falls towards the rim, like get toward the middle of the rim, and then I dunk the ball as hard as I could, scream, and then he falls. And I said, and I I take that, Corzine. I I, know. I said when he fell to the ground, I said, "Get your bitch ass up, Corzine," and he's like, and he gets up off the floor and he tries to attack me, so I'm like. I'm in the battle stance, like I'm ready to go. So they separate us. Uh, Eric Allen comes in, grabs me. They separate us. Jerry's like, what are you doing? <laughs> get him, get him out of here. Go go to the showers. Stop this, this is not, <laughs> you know? And, and I'm like, oh, Doug's just laughing. Doug's having a great time. He's, he's, yeah. He thinks it's funny. So I, I'm like, well, why is he laughing? Like you think the coach would be mad because I lost control. So we're walking to, we're in the multiplex. So I'm walking to the shower with Eric Hellen. Eric Hellen at the time was a little bit older than me. So he's laughing too. So I'm getting a little perturbed by huh. all these people are laughing. Like, man, what's so funny? Why are you laughing? He said, man, do you even know who that was? And, I, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was Dave Corzine. Yeah, I know who it was. He's like, he starts laughing. He goes, no, man, that's not Dave Corzine. He goes, no, that's Phil Jackson. Do you know who Phil Jackson is? I'm like, who's Phil Jackson? Like, I didn't know who Phil Jackson was. Oh, cool. And so so he goes, he's an assistant coach. He played for the Knicks, won a championship, yada, yada. And I'm like, oh.
1: Yeah, good I'd relationship turned, with the coach. You,
0: you're talking about color change. <laughs> I went from being a black guy to a white guy very quickly. So I was like, really? I go, I'm not coming here. So I'm walking to the I'm walking to the to the shower. He goes, Oh man, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. He goes, you probably won't be, Eric said, you probably won't be down that far anyway, so don't worry about it. I go, man, man, they, they probably think I'm some, you know, some clown or some fighting coaches. So I get dressed, Jerry, uh, he Helen, Eric Helen comes in and says, Hey, Jerry wants you to come to the office. And that's when the office used to be on the court, you know, and no one could see it. So they want to watch some film.
1: And this wasn't a prank like the Hunt Club. No,
0: thing. Yeah. no. This was some this was some serious business here. This was like this was like a job interview, yeah. and I failed. So I go to the I go to the office, so Jerry's in there. It was Doug, you know, assistant coach. Phil wasn't in there yet. So I'm sitting there like, oh man. And so Jerry immediately talks about that he says hey you can't be doing that you can't lose your composure you know what if we were playing the Pistons and you lost your composure and and you get ejected it's going to cost us and hurt the team and Doug was like that's who we want I want guys like that I want guys who want to fight and who, who won't back down Stacy, if you are there at six we are drafting you we want guys like you and I'm like I'm like, wow, okay. One coach like, but the general manager is telling me he's scolding me on one end, and the coach is praising me. So I'm like a puppy. Like, well, who do you know? What do I do here? You like, do I accept the criticism and yeah. go sorry, or do I go give old Doug the wink? Like, yeah, coach, I feel you. I feel you. So then here comes Phil. So we're like, it's like a western. It's like the OK corral. So Phil comes in the door. He's got a duck to come in. I'm sitting in the chair, and he comes in. I don't know if it's over, but. I got my hands ready just in case. You know, just in case. <laughs> uh, just in case, he tried, you know, try to sneak me, give me a two-piece. I was ready. So he comes in. <sighs> How you doing? Phil Jackson. And I'm like, oh, okay. How you doing, Coach? <laughs> sorry about that. I thought you were Dave Corsini. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's all right. It's all right. You know, Phil It's all right, it's all right. So, so then he sits down. So we're cool. We're cool after that. So Jerry's sitting me there, and we're watching video. And, and we're seeing a camp, we're playing Kansas and it was a huge game. It was on a Monday night ESPN, big Monday when they used yeah. to have them on big Monday and dig vital was there. So was a huge game and my senior year and I got two fouls. I never fed out of a college game ever. So I pick up two fouls early in the first three minutes of the game. They were they were tic tac. There were terrible calls by the officials because I never fouled. Okay, I, I, I'm being serious. You are over there laughing? I'm being serious. <laughs> hey, don't be say. Don't be don't be never sarcastic fouled. over there, buddy. Yeah. I never fouled. Right. Okay, got only, it. Only yeah. in pickup games in the health club. I'll foul you, okay? I will foul, you'll as, know about I will foul yeah. you so hard in a pickup game because, you know, I'm older now. I can't move like I used to. So I got to grab you, okay? Right. So I got a Velcro like Jack Sigma. Velcro on my hands. I just slap you <laughs> and you stop. So, so he comes in, he, and we're watching the Kansas game, and Jerry's asking me. I'm on the sideline, and I'm yelling. I'm screaming at the coach. Tubbs is ignoring me. He's not even looking my way. My assistant coach, Mike Mims, was there. And he's trying to console me. Calm down. We're gonna get you back in there. We're gonna win this game. We need you. We need to get your head. And I'm yelling at coach, why is he taking me out? I never fouled out. I know how to play with two fouls. And and we end up, we end up, um Kansas went on like a 10-0 run when I went out the game. And so it was a huge game because it was it was conference title, you know, type of game. So we lose that game, you know, we, we end up being in a tie with someone. You don't want that. So um so Jerry asked me, and this was really crazy about the Bulls in the NBA, and I tell kids this. You never know who's watching you.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: NBA people film everything. They have someone filming. They have people filming you on the bench, how you're acting on the bench. If you're, like, over there being silly, not paying attention to the game, they see all that stuff. So when I tell kids, like, you know, when you're, when you're playing, you need to be in the game. You need to be paying attention. You need to be, you know, conducting yourself professionally over there because you don't know who's watching you. So Jerry has this film, and I don't think anyone saw it. So he sees me arguing with the coach. I'm I'm kind of being I'm kind of being little little jackass per se, because I'm yelling at the coach and screaming. And he's trying to console me. So Jerry asked me, it's like, you know, what's what's the problem? You had two fouls. Why are you acting this way? You know, do you feel like you're letting your team down? What about the younger players watching you? You're giving them an example? And I said, Mr. Krause, I'm just gonna tell you honestly, <clears throat> I said, there's a lot of emotion in that game for me because we lost to them the year before in the finals. We're playing them now in a pivotal game in Lawrence on Monday on national television. And I feel like I'm letting my team down with two fouls sitting on the bench when my coach knows in my four years there, I've never fouled out of a game. I know how to play with fouls. And then then you hear Doug, that's what I'm talking about. You know, Doug's back there like a preacher. That's what we need here. You know, that kind of thing. So um, I didn't think I was coming. I did not think I was coming. And then I got the call. Uh, that the Bulls were going to draft me at six, and I was happy because Harvey Grant, who was twins with Horace, we used to watch the Bulls games all the time. Mm-hmm. They talked almost every night, so I knew Horace before I actually knew him, because our, my Oklahoma days with Harvey, and we'd watch WGN, see the Bulls on the, um, you know, on TV. So, so, I you, so you made such
1: them. a great impression on Phil Jackson. How long was it? before the coaching change was made dug out filled oh in.
0: man it was it was like days it so was you like, were thinking so, oh great this is where i uh, really well for me so so i come up here for the press conference all the first round me bj and jeff came up and did the uh, introduction to you know to the media doug wasn't there
1: yeah and
0: i remember asking jerry well where's, where's the doug? coach <laughs> you know because i had talked to him on tnt on the phone and he said i can't wait to see you. i'll see you guys on monday and he wasn't there, and so Jerry, at that time, you know, Jerry's very secretive. Jerry wouldn't tell you anything, even his own players. So Jerry's like, oh, he's on, a, he's on a scouting trip, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, wow, really? he's he scouting I'm, in July? Exactly yeah. in July. Hmm. But, but as a height, as a as a as a senior coming out of college, you don't know the, the the logistics of basketball. You don't know what they what they're doing. So I just accepted it. So then, I went home after the press card. I flew. I caught a, a afternoon flight. By the time I got back home to Norman in my apartment, I got a phone call probably around 30, 7 o'clock at night, and it was Phil Jackson. And he's like, uh, hey. Remember that elbow you hit me with? He's like, that, that crossed my mind. <laughs> See, he, he crossed my mind there, Mark. you read me there, buddy. So he calls me, he's like, uh, Hey, this is Phil Jackson. I wanna, I wanna tell you before it gets out there, um, Doug's been relieved, and uh, I'm the coach of the Bulls. I'll be your coach. And I, the first thing that crossed my mind was that little little fight we had. Oh yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, I hope he doesn't harbor any bad feelings, you know, cuz I didn't want to get off on the bad foot with him based off that. And um that crossed my mind.
1: Oh yeah. And, and you started at times, uh, Horace started at times. What was that dynamic like? I mean, obviously, every player wants to be a starter. What were the practices like when you guys were trying to compete for playing time?
0: Well, I, I think, I mean, I know it was very competitive. We pushed each other. You know, my first year, I played solely at power forward. So I split minutes with Horace Grant. Like mm-hmm. right down the middle, I, I played twenty four. He played twenty four. He might have gotten more minutes being playing some center a little bit more because he was at that time he was a little bit bigger than I was, and um, but it, the the practices were competitive, and that's one of the reasons, Mark. I say that we made them better and they made us better because when we got to the situation that we started playing and getting deep into playoffs and championship modes, you know. We didn't – our second team didn't fear starters of other people's teams because in our eyes we're playing against the best team every day. We're going up against Michael Jordan every day. Who in the league fears you more than Michael Jordan? Nobody. So Patrick Ewing, you know, any of these guys who were big at that time, we didn't fear those guys because our practices, our practices, honestly, were more intense than the games were. So when we walked out to the game, it was easy.
1: Tell us a story about some of the veterans who came through there. What was Cross was always on the lookout for guys to kind of round out the roster. One year was Bobby Hanson and Trent Tucker came through, and then Rodney McRae the last year. Rodney McRae uh, had a tough time adjusting to uh, Michael's tough love, didn't he?
0: Well, Rodney Rodney was a, was a great player. Rodney was a great player. He was a guy that on other teams. If you would say, who does Rodney remind you of now in this day and age? Because he could play in this league with his skill set. You know, it would be on the lines of like an Iguadala, you know, mm-hmm. a guy that could play guard, guard people. He was very, very good, but he was a soft-spoken guy.
1: And he was on that uh, uh, Louisville team that won the national yes, title with yes, Burbis Ellis yes, back in 86. Yes,
0: and uh, just, a, just a, a really, really good guy, uh, really soft-spoken guy. And one thing about MJ – and you know, you probably saw a little bit in the last dance. Um, you know, he's very, he's an in-your-face guy. He likes to test you to see where your heart's at. He wants to see if you'll go back at him. He wants to see how tough you are. Are you willing, are you willing to take the bully on per mm-hmm. se? Are you willing to take that guy on? And if you weren't, you were mince meat. He was you gonna attack you. Yeah. He was just gonna keep picking on you all the time. But if you were a guy who would stand up to him, he wouldn't mess with you anymore because he realized like, okay, this dude's serious. I might really have to fight this guy, so I'm not messing with him. And Rodney was one of those guys, just just a genuinely nice guy. All Rodney wanted to do was play. And and so there was I, I think when Rodney came here, there was a little bit of competitive jealousy a little bit with him coming in because he was going to play some minutes at a lot of different places and maybe taking some shine off some other people. Take some minutes yeah, away from takes Pip. some minutes from Pip, who was yeah. still developing at that time. And it just didn't sit right with a lot of people. But, I mean, Rodney was a great dude, man. And, and you know, I got nothing but utmost respect for him. And, you know, MJ made it tough for him here. Made it tough for Dennis Hobson, who's another good friend of mine, who Dennis was uh was a very good player on New Jersey and averaged 16, 18 points a game on those New Jersey teams, came here and was a role player, had to adjust from being a starter, yeah. as Rodney did. You're asking these guys who started their whole career to come on a team who to try to win a championship, but to be role players. And sometimes that's difficult for guys because they've been stars their whole life. And, you know, it, it was difficult for those guys to fit in and difficult for MJ to let them fit in.
1: What was your experience like coming in as a rookie with Michael? Uh, what What was the process like for you to try to earn that respect from Jordan?
0: Well, I mean, I, I you know, my, like I said, MJ was all about challenging people, you know, and he's very tough to play with, you know. Um, I, I think with me, because I know my background and where I come from, you know, I, I don't take mess from anybody. I don't care who you are. So if you say something to me, I'm gonna say something back. You slap me, I'm gonna slap you back harder. That's just me. And I think MJ, from the very start, wanted to see how we were as rookies, you know, how tough we are, you know, how tough we were. And, you know, we we pretty much showed. I mean, there's a couple of times I challenged MJ a couple of times. <laughs> it's in the Jordan Rule book. Yeah. I'm in there a bunch. And yeah, Sam,
1: I, uh, Sam Smith just released, re-released that one. I, I, saw, him a that. Plug. A I new, saw that. I saw A new, new chapter yes. added on The Last Dance. So awesome. Bulls fans, if you want a little bit of a history lesson, pick that up.
0: Sam's the best. Sam's yeah. the best when it comes to Bulls history. I mean, anything, We'll have to get him on the podcast. Yes, he, definitely. definitely yeah. you know, we're on a budget, though. <laughs> so, you know, we're on a budget. We didn't, we don't he, have. Anything. He'll send us a copy yeah, of we, his book. We, yeah, yeah. We're, we're gonna get him to plug his and, book. And you don't turn down nothing we're but gonna, your collar. i don't turn I nothing down <laughs> but my collar, baby. So we'll take the scraps that we get. give me the hot sauce. We're on a budget, but you know, hopefully one day. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, the draft is coming up on November 18th, and the Bulls hold the number four pick. What do you think of LaMelo Ball? I mean, you know, everyone talks about Lavar Ball, and, and he, he kind of, I don't know if he wrecked Lonzo, but he certainly had an impact on, on, on Lonzo's self-esteem going into the NBA. You think LaMelo Love is going to be a different cat?
0: Love him. And I, and I like Lonzo Ball. I mm-hmm. think Lonzo Ball, listen, when you have your dad, I call him the flavor-flave of public enemy. <laughs> He's the hype train. He hyped, he hyped that kid up so much that put some undue pressure on that kid, you know. But I, I think the kid has come in and shown that he's a very good NBA point guard. He can defend. He can lead a team. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why you see them getting ready to move Drew Holiday to allow him to grow even more at the point guard position. So his dad put a lot of pressure on him. I think he's answered it. Now, the difference between, you know, Lonzo and Lamelo, Lamelo welcomes the stardom. He loves it. He's been a starter since he was probably in the sixth grade playing on his brother's older teams. This is a kid who I think is built for this. I think he's built for being in a big city. I think he's built for the pressure. I think he's mentally tough because it's always something about that younger the younger child. Yeah. Because that younger child is so used to being beat up by the older brothers or hanging with the older brothers and ha- and having to try to keep up that they end up being the best player, the best athlete out of the bunch because they're mentally and, and physically ready to play.
1: Hey, his dad took him to Lithuania in high school, dumped him and said, Hey, you're gonna play pro ball with grown ass men here. You I'm know? gonna tell
0: you something. And and that in itself shows you what kind of kid this is. Because his dad not only took him out took him out of high school. Yeah. It's where a he would have been, yes. been a McDonald's All American. He would have got to do all the things that high school kids get to do. Basically, took him and planted him in Lithuania in a foreign country. Now, I've been overseas, I've been, I, I played overseas, and I'm gonna tell you right now, but well, you have to be a certain type of mentally tough person to play over there. I mean, there's all these exotic places you see, you know, Spain and all, but what if you don't go to those places? You're going to Lithuania. I mean, that's not a – that's not some place where everybody's saying, let's go vacation in Lithuania. (laughs) That's not a place you go – and I'm not taking anything away from that, but that's not a place where that would be your first choice to play basketball. You would think of some place like Spain, France, Italy – you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, and some of these gyms are dingy, run down kind yeah, of facilities. Yeah,
0: and, and you're on a club team. Yeah. And, you know, it's a team that, you know, his dad put him on where he could play right away. And if anything, you know, the experience of being in a place where you're uncomfortable makes him mentally tough. Mm-hmm. Now now you put him in a situation playing for the Knicks or Minnesota or somewhere like that. That transition is going to be easy. Plus, he's been around his brother. He's been, when his brother was in LA, he was in the LA locker rooms all the time. He's been in a pro locker room. He's been around the pro environment. He has his brother to learn from, you know, how to prepare for games. You know, not forget his dad. His dad's never played pro ball, but his dad does have some good things that he's taught these kids because it's not a coincidence that all three of those kids or two of them are going to be in the NBA and the third one might be later on. So there's something to say that their dad's, his method to madness worked. In some way, it might not work for you or me with our kids or someone else, but it worked for them, and I think this kid has it. I mean, you look at his size. He's bigger than Lonzo. He's about six, seven, six eight. He's got guard skills. His passing is extraordinary. I mean, he, he's making pistol Pete Maravich passes in space. Um, he can shoot from anywhere on the floor, and I think the biggest question with him is, is where he ends up, and who he plays with because he has the ability to make everyone around him better. Okay. Are you going to play him at the point if he goes to Minnesota and you got D'Angelo Russell there?
1: Yeah, it's a tough mix. That's going
0: to be a tough mix there. So you have to make a decision if you're the Timberwolves. And I'm, I'm not trying to do the job for him, but I mean, you've got a a, a legit playmaker coming in at six foot eight, and he's a proven point guard. And you got D'Angelo Russell that you you got in there. Who do you play at the one? Who do you play at the two? What do you do in that situation? Because I think this kid's got star written all over him.
1: What would you do if you're our tourist first year heading up basketball operations, currently holding the number four pick? Would you try to trade up, make a bold move to get a Lamelo Ball, or just kind of see what falls down to you? I know they like the the French point guard Killian Hayes. There's a kid from Iowa State, which is kind of a dirty word for Bulls fans. Ty- Tyrese Halliburton, who's a you know a six seven guy who can who can run the point, pretty good outside shooter. I know that the Bulls. I think the new staff looks at Kobe White more as a shooting guard. You already have Zach Levine as a shooting guard. I think they'd like to shore up that point guard spot. Do you think they might go that direction at four?
0: Well, let me just say this about AK. AK has been hitting home runs since he got oh, on yeah. the, since yeah. he got up to the plate. Every time he got up, the ball's going out the park. <laughs> so I trust him. I yeah. trust. I yeah. trust Mark. I trust the front office because what they've done now and and the way they position themselves, you know, the front office is solid. This is probably, I mean, this is a really, really good front office. And they're taking their time. They're taking their due diligence on every move that they make. There's no pressure whatsoever. Now, they're in a great spot at four. You've got a good young team right now. You know, and let's just be honest. I mean, you've got some great players here. You know, Larry Markkinen is a stud. Zach Levine is a superstar. Uh, You know, Kobe White has shown you that he's going to be a very good player. Wendell Carter Jr. The pieces are here when you're looking at this Bulls team. The direction wasn't here Mm -hmm. before. It was almost like a ship, a ghost ship, and there was no captain on it, and the players were basically, you know, steering the ship. Now you've got someone like Billy Donovan who, first of all, just fell out of the sky. That was – no one thought Billy Donovan was going to be available. No one thought Doc Rivers was going to be available because of the success that they had in other places. Billy Donovan did a great job at Oklahoma City. From their development of their young players, you know, you bring in Chris Paul that could have been a disruption. A veteran player wanted to do it his way. You got Shea Alexander, Gilgis is Gilgis Alexander, who who the development of him from one year to the next, from L.A. to what he did in Oklahoma City, was tremendous. Steven Adams developed under Billy Donovan, being just a pick-and-roll guy, go-get-the-rebound guy, to a guy that can legitimately score in the post a little bit, who's now trying to shoot threes. He's still not. I mean, Stevie Wonder can shoot a three better than him. (laughs) But the fact is that he is trying to shoot it. The development is there. The confidence is there because Billy Donovan gave it. So. When you look at all the moves the Bulls have done, sitting at number four, something could happen. You know how this draft works. You know you can already hear the rumblings about Lamelo Ball. Oh, he's not interviewing well. Yeah, he might he's fall. Not, okay, that's how this draft works. That's yeah. how the drafts always work. People put out bad information about a kid. Yeah, L- look at look at uh, my man. Uh, uh, what's his in Denver? Um, the young kid, uh, Jamal Murray. The, no, no, Brad uh, Michael. Um, Michael Michael Porter, uh, Michael Porter Jr.
1: Yeah, he felt a fourteen. He went from
0: being the number one consensus, number one high school player, number one in the draft. Has a hurt back. Everybody's scared of him. Oh, he can't move. Doctors say he'll never be the same. This kid dropped all the way, I think, to 14. 14, last pick in the lottery. Just because people said things about him. And now you look at him and you saw what he did in the playoffs. And he looks like he's going to be a superstar caliber player. And this is an opportunity, you know, for what Denver did. And AK was part of that. He was part of them bringing in Porter. So, I mean, he knows what he's doing. I trust him. You know, look at those players they brought in Denver. I mean, he was a big part of that.
1: Hey, there's a new trend in the NBA. Part of it has to do with the pandemic. Part of it has to do with agencies trying to exert influence over the prospects. But time for a little uh, on the down low with Stacey King. And uh, LeBron's guy, Rich Paul, had Anthony Edwards and Tyrese Maxey in for a nationally televised workout on ESPN. LeBron and AD are there. I mean, LeBron is already reaching his tentacles out to get the next wave of star players to come and join. Us wow, with. I,
0: I tell you what, Ben, if, you, if you're the NBA, you're a little nervous about that yeah. because that, that kind of opens up a Pandora's box because you'd never seen that before. It's never been done. And normally when top picks or, or anybody coming into the upcoming draft, those are private workouts. Those are workouts that only the teams are, are able to see. You know, the public doesn't get to see that, you know, and so there is no transparency when it comes to that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden you have this, you know, made for TV where you bring these two young kids out and it's LeBron's agency and LeBron's supposedly not part of it, wink, wink, but he is part of it. And he's there, and, you know, it's almost like college recruiting. You know, you you bring the superstar player like me. If I'm at Oklahoma and you're coming to Oklahoma, I'm taking you out. I'm showing you around mm-hmm. to try to get you to come play with Oklahoma and join my team. So I think it's an unfair advantage. If you're other agents, you're a little upset about it too because you're not doing that. And, again, you know, it takes away from what these teams have been doing the whole time. You know these guys should be evaluated by their by these teams. They should be interviewed by. Them. This is not football where you have a big combine. If you're gonna do that, then have it have an uh, NBA combine, an actual NBA combine. Bring everybody there and do like the NFL does and meet in one place, one venue. They kind of do that at the at the uh, used to be at Moody Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used to do that, but but if you're gonna do it like that, because most of the top players don't go to those.
1: No, those used to be pretty competitive yes. games.
0: Most nowadays, like when I was playing. Like, you went to those places, Portsmouth. You went, to, even as a top player, I went and go played. When Orlando, Orlando was one of the first, was uh, when it jumped into it, Pat Williams invited mm-hmm. me, who was an Orlando guy, um, general manager at the time, invited me to come down and play in a senior game in Orlando after my senior year. And most top players don't go. And I went. And I was like, yeah, because I like to play. You know, and I went in and did well. And um, it was a good decision for me. But most top picks don't even get near those kind of things. And then also, when when I was playing, when you went on your individual workout, you went by yourself. You didn't play against another guy. You didn't – like, you know, I didn't play against a, a top pick from Georgetown or top pick from Texas. It was just me. No, oh, you played against Phil Jackson and Elwood in yeah, yeah, the face. Yeah, well, you know what? Yeah. He was a champion. So, I mean, I think I think that had been enough for me. The guy won a championship with the Knicks. And, you know, it looked, I think me knocking him on the ground was one of the reasons why he was able to win all these championships. I think I motivated him, so I'm gonna take some credit for that, Bulls fans. I, I just want to throw that out there. If, if I wouldn't have knocked him on his butt and dumped on him, maybe it would have been different.
1: So, so when he traded you to Minnesota, did he call you in and say uh, that's because you elbowed me during that workout? No,
0: be honest with you, they didn't want me. They didn't want me to go. I asked for the trade um, because the fact that that was when MJ retired and went to go play baseball. Yeah. And uh, Scott Williams signed with Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Horace got a big contract with uh, Orlando. So the team was kind of – and no one knew MJ was coming back. Even right. though know MJ came back and practiced with us, no one knew he was going to come back. We thought he was done. And if we were – I mean, if you would have known what was going on and what led up to all that, you know, his father, you know, got murdered the, the stress of basketball and the expectations, you know, it it was overwhelming for him. And his, and you know, you saw it in last dance, how close he was with his dad. That that's an actual fact. And he was very close with his father and his father was close to all of us. So that affected all of us, even though he wasn't our natural father, Mm -hmm. it had an impact on all of us. So we understood why MJ stepped away and and went away and and he needed that time for himself. And, but no one knew he was going to come back. You know, he practiced with us a couple of times and it was like, man, he should just come on back. He looks good. <laughs> He's kind of teasing us. And um, But he, he didn't come back. And so my attitude was, well, I don't want to be part of rebuilding because I went in and I said, hey, I want to be a starter now. You know, I've been playing this role, you know, and I played it well and we won championships and, you know, I want to be a starter, you know, and that's when we had Tony coach and right. he had just came over the first time. And, you know, and, and so there was like, you know, no one can guarantee you anything. You got to go out and earn it. But I would like to hurt a guarantee, you know, and especially when I had started games for them and they knew what they were getting when I started. Um, I just want—I just needed to hear, yeah, Stacey, it's your position to lose. And I didn't get that. So I, I talked to my agent, David Falk, and, and if I had to do it all over again, you know, you always hear that, that thinking of the grass is greener on the other side. If I had to do it all over again, that's one decision I wish I could have back because I wish I would have stayed here. And finish it out and let it play out and see where it has gone because I definitely know I would have still been here and I would have been part of I would have had six titles instead of three yeah and that's my only regret Um, but I did go to Minnesota it was cold they they stunk you know and I went from the penthouse to the outhouse and I started I put up numbers and I remember playing Houston. And um, the year they were, they win, you know, they went in and won the championship. And I remember, you know, Mad Max and those guys. Yeah, you don't got Black Jesus with you now, do you? <laughs> you know, you know, referring to Michael oh, Jordan, sure, yeah. Black Jesus. Yeah. So, you don't got Black Jesus with you now. Oh, you went from the penthouse to the outhouse. Welcome to the have and have nots, because you have not. <laughs> they used to tease me, and I, but I would, I score twenty four, twenty five, get 13, 14 rebounds, but we lose by thirty. Yeah. And and when you're when you're a person who loves to win and is competitive, that bothered me. Because, you know, being under Michael Jordan, Scotty and Bill Cartwright, and Paxson, you know, those guys in Horace, ultra-competitive, hated to lose, no matter if it was a card game, if it was a free-throw contest, anything. So everything was about competition. Feel feel harbored competition in everything. So when you go to a team that guys don't care, it really, you know, they don't care about winning – they don't care about winning, Mark. It, it's just – it sucks, you know. Guys just get in there for paychecks. And I was on the team with Christian and J.R. Ryder. There was other guys there that had – you know, Mike Brown, who used to be a former bull. You know, he had that mentality of wanting to win. But when you're around guys who, you know, are in the game for the wrong reasons, you know, um, it's just no fun.
1: Yeah. Well, we're going to have all kinds of stories about – the latter part of Stacey's career, traveling around different teams, a lot of experiences that he had coming up on future episodes. Of Give me the hot sauce. Of course, the NBA draft coming up on November 18th. and our next episode, will take you through some of the results and what direction AK is looking to take the franchise. Who knows? Maybe we'll have a bold draft night trade to tell you about. I want to thank our producer, John Walsh, Aldo of the Barroom. Spinning the dials, as always, always great to have him here, and we hope that you will listen and subscribe wherever you find your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Podbean. We're going to have guests coming up in the coming weeks. We'll have Stacy reach out to some of his old teammates. Maybe we'll wake up Neil Funk, get him on the show one of these days. I
0: don't think, I don't think Neil will answer the phone. <laughs> I've tried to call that man many times, and I think he has me on the dial Oh, I'm not answering
1: that. You don't think he can find this podcast?
0: I, I, he has a hard time finding Twitter. <laughs> I, I don't think you're gonna find a podcast. So, uh, but I, I, we're gonna have a lot of fun. I hope everybody's enjoying it, and we're having a blast. And and you know, uh, I'm a, I'm having a good time because I'm with all my people, and uh, it's a lot of fun. And I hope we make people laugh and have a good time. And as it's always remember. Drive home safe, Chicago. (laughs) Beep, beep.
1: Until next week. So long, everybody.
0: You like what you hear? Then don't miss out on any one of the great shows we have here at the Bears Barroom Radio Network. Subscribe now. You can subscribe through iTunes. You can subscribe through Podbean. Any one of the delivery services for podcasts or just head over to Spotify. We're there too. Just search Bears Barroom Radio Network and don't miss any episode from the network.